Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, good morning. It's Melinda from Hope When There Was None. How are you doing today? Well, I'm coming on talking about all things related to abuse for the month of October, since this is Awareness Month for abuse. And so I've been coming on live every day to discuss whatever is relevant. Maybe someone has given me a topic to talk about. So that's why I'm here today. And so let's talk about the financial. And this is post-separation abuse. I've missed, a, I think, a week or two. So sorry about that. I'm trying to do that on Tuesdays. Um, so we're going to talk about financial abuse with this. So the post-separation is you think you're free. Okay. Again, for the first 48 hours, I even say 72 hours is where it is very volatile after you've left that abuser. And so you think sometimes, and I had this thought in my mind, once I left, that the abuse would just stop. It would just dissipate. I don't know whether I was living in a fairy tale or what, but you know, maybe just wishful thinking. And I had hoped that that's what happened. Everything would be amicable and we would just go our separate ways. Well, that didn't happen. What happens is there's still abuse after you leave. And sometimes it's almost worse and you think, I might as well just go back. But please don't really stick with it it's going to be tough. It's going to be really difficult. It's going to be very hard. There are times when you feel like nothing is turning out right. Then how come people aren't believing me? Maybe this is the courts, your attorney, something of that nature. And I've had those times. And there were times where I thought, well, maybe death is just the easiest way to get this done and over with it. That was for me, me to take my own life because this is like not worth it. Of course I didn't. I'm here today and it's 11 years, over 11 years later and I've made it. Now, is there still even a little trickling of this? My ex-train is still maintain control? Yes. He's still trying to do that. But that's what they do. And hopefully there's going to be a time where I just won't ever hear from him again, which would be very nice. But let's talk about this. I did discuss the last few weeks. Let me get back into where I was. Discarding it's where the parent really fights, the abuser fights for the children in court and so on. And it's just like a big war, tug of war for the kids, there's parental alienation and so on. But after the prescription, maybe they want to get, they show the court, well, I'm the better parent. I should be able to get custody of the kids. This person's crazy or whatever tactics they use. And they finally do get that control of the kids. The court is awarding those children to the abuser. And then they are pretty much discarded. They're just like, okay, they got what they wanted. They made you miserable. They hurt you because they took away that, and they know that you love your children. They took that away from you. There's isolation where afterwards they even further, because you are isolated when you're in an abusive situation, well, it even goes further after you leave where they'll start uh, gossiping and telling untruths that you'll have your flying monkeys around this time too. Um, they'll tell friends, teachers, family, whoever they can that they notice is supporting you. They'll just start trying to destroy that tie. There's harassment, there's stalking as well. So you'll have that where you on the cell phone, perhaps you'll have it in person that might drive by and so on. They'll maybe track you with tracking software on your car or on your cell phone. That's why it's so important to please try and get all that taken care of, get it off, look on your laptops, whatever you have to. Give your kids a just a throwaway phone, a burner phone when they go over to visit dad 
or mom, because again, abuse happens with mom and dads, whoever, grandma, grandpas. So try and get a burner phone. And that's the phone they bring over to the house. And I know they might be like, oh, but I want the data or whatever. And you can go ahead and add that on to a lot of different phone packages. But have a separate phone just for those times when they're over at that parent's home. Again, like track phone. And I, I say track phone a lot because it's something I use use then and I still use. So just find whatever plan works for you that's inexpensive. You don't need that $300 phone. A lot of track phones, um, there's another plan that's out there too. I know Walmart has it uh, where they're very inexpensive, $50, $60, I think on the high side, 100 But again, the kids don't need the bells and whistles. They just need a way to contact you if there's an emergency or contact the police. And I know you're going to be like, well, the kids, blah, blah, blah. Don't care about the kids. You care about your children, your safety. And I'm not saying you don't care about your children. Don't care about whether they're on the internet scrolling or not. They don't need the latest bells and whistles. Just get them something that they can use. Okay, maybe they can scroll on the internet. But just something that they can use when they're at mom or dad's house or grandma and grandpa's. Legal abuse. So legal abuse is where they will, again, fool that court, fool the attorneys and professionals, whoever is in there the GALs, and they just got this mask on. They are just coming off like they are wonderful, the best things since sliced bread. They have everyone fooled in court. So also financial abuse is what I want to talk to you about today. Now with financial abuse, you not only have it when you're in an abusive situation, you have it when you're outside. And what I mean by that is that person loves to have control and that you've left that relationship. Well, kudos to you, but they still want to maintain that. So they will grasp at whatever they can in order to keep that control of you. Because right now they're going crazy. They're like, that person's not here. They might be in between partners because right away, sometimes these narcissists will automatically flip into a new relationship because they're looking for their next victim. So what happens is they will burden you with a lot of your finances. They will go, and I have my little list here. They will block access to your accounts. They want you to return. They want you to be dependent. So they'll access, they'll hide that. They'll hide that money. They might get cash under the table. They'll withdraw money from the accounts. They'll close the accounts. And again, many banks don't need the dual signatures in order to close out an account. They just need one. They could cancel your credit cards, debit cards, whatever else. Maybe you have that phone, iPhone or something, they might close that account on you and then you can't use your phone. So they could open up fraudulent accounts as well. They want to ruin your credit and they will do a good job at that. They could withhold, let's say you're going to court and I've got these in no specific order. So you're going to court, you've got a settlement there, not a settlement, but you have an agreement that they're going to pay you child support or alimony. Well, they'll withhold those payments. They might even lose their job on purpose so they don't have to pay you. Now, they might whine in court that, oh, they're broke, they lost their job, they took a pay cut, or something like that, and then the court believes them. So your child support is, again, probably, again, sliced in half, or maybe you have to pay insurance for your kids, perhaps, um they'll go ahead and complain that they just have no money, so or things of that nature. They might criticize your spending. Perhaps you are still on that bank account or you have that credit card together and you are building up your 
you know, your new home or whatever you're doing, you need things for the kids, school supplies and so on, but they might criticize, hey, you got a new pair of underwear. Why do you have a new pair of underwear? Or you bought this from Victoria's Secret or something. They might criticize your spending, saying that you're doing it for, um, frivolously and that you're just bad with money. And they can whine to their attorney about that. So all that stuff, they're building a case against you. Now, if they watch if they're on your cell phone if they are that person because a lot of times they are the person that's a main person on your bills i hope that makes sense they are the account holder the, the main account holder maybe you don't have any information of your own maybe you're not on that account so you're kind of at the mercy of this person your your abuser there but they can track your cell phone they can track your again your credit card they can track going back to your cell phone your messages and so on and so on so having that gps on there is so vital and important that you switch that off or get a new phone if you can again find a cheap phone just for now until you're able to afford one of your own that's so important check your vehicle for a gps check make sure that you when you go to what happened i had the problem I had with my ex is I had the Garmin I think it was a TomTom -tom, and uh, I had wherever we went so my ex went into a car during a visit. We were visiting my son. He was at uh, he was under observation for suicide watch. So while I was upstairs, I was waiting for him to go. I asked for that to happen. I said, you know, I asked a nurse to stay with me. You stay up here. Well, we saw him going through my car, and he took whatever he wanted. And one of those things, excuse me, is the uh, GPS. He took that. So he was able to figure out where Mr. Awesome, this was before we were married, where he lived, and he found other locations that I was frequenting, even where I worked. Because I, the first time I went to work, I didn't know where it was exactly, so I used my GPS. So he figured, he backtracked everything, because he has nothing, he had nothing better to do at that time. So finding that GPS, take it with you, make sure your ex can't get to that, clear it, or whatever you have to do. I'm not tech savvy, but just know if you have to turn it off or get rid of it for temporarily, just do that, get a new phone if you can afford it. Many times if you go to a shelter, they do have phones that you uh, that are donated, thank goodness, that you can have as well, okay? So you might check into that. Sorry, it's, a, it's an allergy day for me. So they might keep you off of the marital property, so perhaps you are living in the home and um, you are living in the home. Well, now you, where are you going to go? You're not really safe to stay there. So you might go ahead and um, say, well, I want half the house. Well, you're not on the house. I'm not an attorney. So check with your attorney. What, how, do you have a leg to stand on? Can you take half the assets and so on and so on? If your name is not on that, try and figure that out. But they might, again, say that, well, she left the house. So she's abandoning it, but she needs because you might be asking for alimony. Well, she has a perfectly good house and she's not staying in it. Well, sometimes the court doesn't really look fondly on what's going on. Domestic violence and abuse, it's almost like they turned a blind eye or maybe they just don't want to get into it. So they might side with your abuser like, okay, well, why do you have a perfectly good house? Even though you're applying for food stamps, you're applying for um, aid, whatever you have to do in order to get onto your feet. And you are being denied because of this dodo head. Your abuser, and it's just frustrating for me because I, I, I just feel myself getting all tense and I'm not even going through this. The abuser might make it appear that the victim is the sole supporter. Perhaps now what's happened is they decide this is the time that they're going to become um, disabled. 
or maybe they just need to lose that job. But anyway, you're going to be looked at as a sole supporter. So you might have to pay child support. You might have to pay the other expenses, the things for kids. You might have to pay this person. And that's happened before. They can ruin your credit score. I mentioned that before. They could be uh, things that are what they can be in, in jail for is, oh, I've, hold on a second, I'll be right back. I'm just blowing my nose, and I don't want you to see me blowing my nose, wiping it. Better, okay. The, so there might be embezzling if you have a company together, or maybe they are just embezzling for the company, and they can blame you for that theft. There could be um, times where they are, and that's something that is that can be... Uh, it could be jail time. They could serve jail time for. There could be drugs, alcohol, gambling, where you thought you had money coming in and they're just blowing it. Please. So I know it can seem very daunting and, and really troublesome about what you can do. But anyway, they are, I'm looking back at my notes. Um, da, 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 da. Again, they might not pay bills. They might rack up all your credit cards not pay them at all. They can make your home go into foreclosure by not paying that home. And that's what my ex did. He says, I'm not going to let her get the house. So he went into foreclosure. Now they, yeah, again, the court sometimes doesn't believe or just ignores the fact that there is abuse going on. And a lot of times it's very frustrating when they side with the abusers, but I know to keeping a paper trail and sometimes just letting the crazy of your abuser come out, sometimes that works to your favor. Uh, that's what happened in my case. A lot of his crazy got the best of him. They were like a stack. And I, I probably, I'm not exaggerating. There was over 100 plus pages and they, they showed it to us in court. It was a green document. This was in Lake County, Indiana. And that was stuff only privy to the court. The attorneys, I don't, I'm guessing the attorneys can look it over, but the judge, and it was sealed. We couldn't look at it. They couldn't give me a copy of that. It was the crazy. My ex was texting. He was emailing the GAL, um, just whoever else too. And we actually lost a GAL because that person was afraid of any legal repercussions. And uh, he was just, he had a fear for his life there. So we lost a GAL because of my ex, because of his crazy. So sometimes just letting them rant and rave is to your advantage, whether it's an attorney, because he lost countless attorneys. So sometimes that works to your advantage if you just keep quiet, just go with the flow. And I know that's so hard. It's it's. I had to do a lot of control in order not to get all ramped up when we were in the court hearings because I was frustrated. I didn't feel like my voice was being heard. And it was just really, and there were a good deal of my divorce. It was me being pro se. Pro se means I was doing it on my own. So I had to file a lot of my own paperwork. I learned a lot during that time. I really did. And that empowered me. So, I mean, flipping the switch and finding out, asking questions when I when I could. Uh, but, of course, they don't look at you when you're pro se as they would if you were an attorney. It's totally different. But that's okay. I, I learned a lot. I actually felt more empowered by doing so, by filing different orders of protection, filing different um, other things that I had to do, and emergency hearings and so on. I felt very empowered by doing this. I felt like I was taking that power back. So, document leave that paper trail, get that paper trail and just start any texts, any emails, anything that's verifying 
things that I just talked about about that financial abuse. Well, I'm not going to work anymore. Or, hey, I just racked up all the credit cards. Or, hey, I'm not paying the bills and so on and so on. Keep all that information. Give it to an attorney or file it with the court if you're a pro se. But tell somebody about this abuse. Tell them what's going on. Again, don't keep this quiet. Tell if they're, if they're selling things. Tell if they're hiding things. And I know my ex had a big garage sale for my car stuff. There was nothing I could do about it. And I could have went there and I walked, I went by, someone called me. They're like, you know, your ex is having a yard sale and they're selling a lot of stuff. It was him and his girlfriend. And um, at that time, I was so mad. But I had to step back and think about it. It's just stuff. It's just really and truly, it's stuff. I didn't go there, have a confrontation. I could have been maybe arrested or something. I don't know. He could have spun it. It could have turned out so badly and poorly, but I had to think that was stuff. I was free. I wasn't in that bondage of that relationship anymore, quite literally. Um, I was in a safe place. I could get new stuff. I can get things that didn't have those memories attached to them too, but I'll get into that when I'm going to talk about clutter. So tomorrow I'm coming on to, um, to give another talk here. I'll be back. If you have any comments about this, have you been affected by financial abuse after you left your ex? I'd love to know. And, you know, you got to start rebuilding that credit and so on. You might have to file bankruptcy. There's no shame if you have to do any of these things. I've been there and done that. So there's no shame in that. There's no shame in asking for help, for asking for financial guidance. There are financial counselors out there, Dave Ramsey's program, just to start rebuilding yourself and to get to what you need. If you need to start doing eBay, start doing eBay. Start. I, I'm a reseller. I love reselling stuff, but I did a lot of that in the very beginning in order to get back on my feet, in order to get food on the table, in order to get the clothes my kids need. I resold everything that I could, even things that I did take from that that home that, you know, that were mine, that uh, the attorney said, hey, you can go in and get this, 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 and this. And we did the swap of some things that weren't damaged. Um, we did, I did, I started selling things. I, what I didn't sell, I gave away because I didn't want that attachment. But again, that's for a different post. So do what you got to do in order to survive. If it means you're flipping burgers at the McDonald's or Burger King or wherever else, you do it. If you got to bag groceries, you do what you got to do. There's some people that I've chatted with and they feel that, and, and this kind of breaks my heart, they feel that those things are beneath them. Going to a shelter, though, I can't do that, is beneath them. There are a lot of great resources. There are a lot of great jobs out there. That's just a stepping stone. It's not saying that you have to stay at the burger joint for the next 10, 20 years. I'm not saying you have to be that Walmart greeter for the next five or six years. It's for a season. It's for time. It's going to serve its purpose and build onto that until you get the next best thing. So you stay at that store selling phones for a month or two. Well, then keep looking for another job until you find that one that you're looking for. Or do, there's so many great things on the internet. What can you tap into? What is your hobbies? Do you paint? Can you coach people? Can you do finances? Uh, can you go back to school to learn how to do taxes? What can you do now with the skills that you have? And I bet you if you dig in, you might be like, well, Melinda, I've been a, a stay-at-home mom for years. But what did you do? Did you do scheduling for the kids? Did you have to get them to softball practice? Did you have to get this kid here? Were you a room mom? That's all skills that you can utilize now to do a VA, which is virtual assisting. There's things that you can do. Uh, maybe you can do some house cleaning. 
10 bucks an hour or whatever, clean somebody's house. I've been there, done that. Whatever you need to do. I've sold crafts. Whatever I needed to do in order to survive, in order to get provide for my family, I did. There's nothing beneath me. There was nothing that I said, okay, I can't do this. Well, there was one thing. I was offered to date a man. And he said, well, if you go on one date with me, I'll give you $1,500. Well, you know, all joking aside, I couldn't do that with myself. And this was going to be an arrangement that we would have. Well, then he says, well, anything goes when you go with me. And it's like, you know what? I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into that kind of relationship. I'm not. And then he offered a secretarial position. It's like, mm, I don't think so. And if, I, you know, I have morals and standards. They can be low, but I do have morals and standards. And that would make me a whore. And I even told him that. That would make me a whore. And I'm not. No. I, I Even though I was at a low point, it's like, I know I still have. I have enough esteem in myself to know I am worth far more than that. No. But of course, you do what you got to do to survive. For me, that wasn't what I wanted to do because that seemed like I'd be falling back into a rabbit hole that I was just trying to climb out of then. I didn't do that. But try and find something to build yourself up. And it might be that you go down that path. And, you know, I'm not judging you, but I know you are worth, far worth more than that. If you need to talk, if you need someone just to listen to you, I'm happy to do so. I see you. I know you and I've been there. I understand. I am you. I can't say that enough. And you are far more worthier than anything you can think of right now. You can get through this. It's going to be hard. You're going to look back. I, I tell you, in about five years, two years from now, or even if six months from now, this is going to be a blur. And you're going to be like, I did that. I survived. You did it. Okay, this is Melinda. I'm going to sign off. I will see you tomorrow. This was the topic of post-separation abuse. If you're watching this in a replay, do a hashtag fire emoji. I'd appreciate it. Let me know where you're from. I'd love some information from you if you enjoyed this topic or not. What about you? Do you have any suggestions that maybe I missed? I'm happy to listen to that or whatever future topics you'd like me to talk about. I'm happy to do that too. Well, again, I'm signing off for now. Stay safe. Bye.